0: Friends, welcome to another episode of Making Disciples. My name is Chris and I am your host. Today's episode is like an, a, the a culmination of the series that we've been doing on the Sermon on the Mount. If you've ever seen me preach, you may have noticed that my Bible on the front cover has some masking tape on it. And in red marker pen, it says Rebels Guide. Uh, for me, God's Word The scriptures, uh, when we read it, we're rebelling against the world. You know, the world says sleep around. The world says it's okay to smoke, drink, spend, gamble. Yet God's word calls us to rebel against the world to live out a different kingdom, a different way of life. So I talk about the scriptures being the rebel's guide, the rebel's guide to life. And uh, during this series, I have been uh, tweaking and editing a version of the Sermon on the Mount, the rebel's guide, uh, that I first wrote about 10 years ago. Uh, I'd been doing a teaching series at All Hallows on the Sermon on the Mount, and I wanted to land it. Uh, I wanted us to engage with the teachings of Jesus in the way that it would have originally been audible. And what I did was I translated it and I sat in the crowd with with a big brown hoodie on. I had my hood up and a microphone. And when it got to the sermon from the pew, I started to preach or read out and preach the Sermon on the Mount. And I would stand on the chairs, Uh, I walked around the room, at one point I stood on the piano, but I, I essentially walked us through the Sermon on the Mount from beginning to end as one big uh, proclamation of the kingdom this is what kingdom life looks like and uh, it, it sat on my shelf for a long time and then during this series I've been going back and retinkering. tinkering and um, there are some bits that are 100% my translation there are some bits that are very similar to the original NIV there are some bits where the message translation has done something quite interesting with the text so I've, I've tried to kind of use some of the message translation in there uh, but what I'm doing is I'm trying to take the energy of the Sermon on the Mount and deliver it for us in a way that connects with uh, us without changing scripture. Um, I'm trying to translate it in a way that makes us go, oh yes, this is the kingdom that Jesus preaches about. This is what he's calling me into. So it's there to kind of inspire us. Uh, I don't know how long this is going to take for me to go through it from beginning to end, but friends, we're going to have some fun. Uh, I'm going to go through it uh, from beginning to end as if it's Jesus Uh, speaking these words to us now obviously this is my translation these are not coming from the aramaic that jesus spoke these are not jesus's words directly it's a translation of a translation Uh, but i hope it really connects with you in some shape or form so here we go friends as we go through and hear the sermon on the mount the rebel's guide to life read to us Friends, you're in a good place when when you are in the hands of the divine, when you're down and desperate. With less of yourself, you have more space for God to rule and reign in your life. You're in the hands of the divine when you've had your most special possession robbed from you. In your loss, only then will you feel the embrace of the one who comforts the grieving. You're in the hands of the Divine when you allow yourself to become gentle and humble, making others greater than yourself. In this you will find yourself an inheritor of everything you could need. You're in the hands of the Divine when you become desperate to the point of starvation for God. In this place you will feed on God's finest gourmet meal of the Spirit. You're in the hands of the divine when you choose to live gracefully. At the moment you live by grace, you will find yourselves in a place of grace. You're in the hands of the divine when you allow your heart to become as pure as you are on the outside life. When your insides are being transformed, you will see God at work in your outside life. You're in the hands of the divine when you find new ways of making and creating peace. Being a peacemaker isn't about the absence of conflict, but birthing God's presence in the midst of suffering. When you make peace or help others to find it, in the moment you will experience what it looks like to be a part of God's family. You're in the hands of the divine when others turn against you because of your faith and hate you because of your holy life. In this place of persecution, you'll be pushed deeper and deeper into God's presence. You're in the hands of the divine when people laugh, insult and say lies about you because of your choice to live out this good news. People will say the most ridiculous things in public about you. When they do this, they are simply trying to undermine who I am. Shout out in praise. Then people do this to you because... I see it as worship, and you'll be rewarded in the heavenly realms. You're not the first to experience this. Right the way back, my prophets and witnesses have experienced these lies too. You, my friends, are like the salt we use in toilet hygiene. We dig it up from the earth and we place it on human waste. This salt helps decompose the filth and turn it into fertilizer for new life. It's an antiseptic to bring about cleanliness in the most unclean places. You are like holy antiseptic. When you're up close and personal with a mess of this world, you will make a difference. You're also like light graffiti. You're distinct from the darkness, like light breaking through the night. A wealthy man doesn't build a city With its tower blocks and hide it under a large bowl lights need to be placed in the prominent location so that everybody gets the pleasure of its energy in the same way you should shine 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 like glow sticks in the dark so others see god's spirit spinning and lighting through you be gracious with your light to others so they will see your light be drawn to its peace and source Let me make this very clear to you. I've not come in any way to do away with the holy book or its teachings. I have not come to demolish them. I have come to show you how to wear them, how to live them out. I've come to put flesh and blood upon the words. The truth is this, that until heaven and earth collide and everything is finished. None of these words of Scripture should be deleted. Not the smallest full stop can be taken out. Be attentive to live out God's wisdom, and not walk away from His way, and do not lead others down an easier route. Whoever practices my way of life, living out the teachings, will be given great honour in the kingdom. But it is impossible to enter my kingdom unless your moral performance exceeds that of religious fundamental leaders, which is impossible. But trust your divine performance record. Now, this is a gift. You have been told before in the scriptures, do not murder. But I now tell you that if you are even angry with a brother or sister, they are already guilty of murder. If you go calling out your brother an idiot, you are already being dragged before the courts and anybody who thoughtlessly harps his horn and yells at another driver is already heading towards hellfire. Simply watch your words, because words can kill. This is how I want you to behave with one another. If you arrive to a time of worship and you're ready to give praise with all your heart, then you remember an issue with a friend, an argument, unresolved, ugly words spoken to another human being, abandon the worship. Gather and head out to the streets. Make your way directly to their home and make things right. Only once this is done, then come back to the worship and offer your praise. Friends, be quick to resolve your conflict. Put out the fire of disagreement before it even makes its way to full-out war. On the road to a court hearing, don't lose a moment. Go, make things right before things get worse for you. If you don't, you might even end up with a stretch in jail. Now, you've been told before in the scriptures not to go to bed with another one's spouse. But I want to explain, even if you look at another lover you are already committed to the crime of adultery those cheeky side glances that arouse will corrupt your heart your heart is able to commit adultery much quicker than your body and it should be noticed this life i'm calling you to isn't easy in any shape or form we must not pretend that it is it's better for you to lose an eye than for, and to catch that cheeky side glance than to find yourself thrown into the eternal dump. If you catch your right hand slipping where it shouldn't, take no time to cut it off. It is better for you to walk around handless than your whole body to be thrown into the trash. You've been told before in the scriptures that if you divorce your wife, you must give her a certificate with all her human rights once again fully hers. Some of you are using this loophole as an excuse to cover up your own selfish behaviours. Just because you do the legal thing doesn't mean that you're doing the right thing. If you divorce your wife, remember that you are leaving her no choice to be an adulteress unless she first slept with another man. If you let her go and she marries another man, you're not only causing her to sin, but her new husband is also an adulterer. Neither say anything that you don't fully commit to. You've been told before in the scriptures not to break your oaths or make empty promises to man or God, but I am now telling you not to make any promise whatsoever, whether on your mother's grave, on your great granny's grave. Don't make pinky promises or promises upon God's name, His throne, or any other holy book. Neither swear on your own head, your life or anything else definitely don't do it on God's property simply let your yes be a yes and your no be a no anything more than that anything more than keeping it simple is deceptive talk and comes from Satan himself now you've also been told long ago eye for an eye and tooth for a tooth but I would go one step further don't resist a malicious person The world only gives us two options, fight or flight. But I say create a new third option. If somebody wants to fight you and they're doing it to make you look less important, show them up with their vulgar behaviour by offering them a fight of equals. You're no man's slave. If anybody wants to sue you for almost everything you've got, take off your pants. Give them them also. Then let's see who is looking silly The naked man or the evil man who has left you in this naked mess. If somebody forces you to do an unfair task, use it as an opportunity to practice a life of servanthood. Your good behaviour will show them up and their bad behaviour. There is power in generosity. Now friends, you've also been told in the scriptures to love your friends and in the human traditions, we've taught to hate your enemies. But I would consist this behaviour and say, fully love your enemy like a friend. Let them bring out what is best in you and make sure you're praying passionately for them. In this behaviour, you will be a child of the Most High. When we behave in this way, we behave like our Heavenly Father. It makes the who makes the sun shine and the rains quench the dry land, regardless if we are somebody who does evil or good. We have a God of equality in all things. If we simply love those who are easy to love, we're not, we've not learnt the lesson of real love. It's easy to love those who will love us back. Friends, there is no medal or bonus for having narrow love. Even the traffic wardens, they'll do that. If you only say hello to your friends in the street, what are you doing more than anybody else? Even those of the faiths, well, they do that. Live with a deep generosity in the same way your Father in Heaven does. Now, be attentive to making sure you're not seen doing your good deeds. Often people love the performance of giving as if, Uh, Life is a stage, but you should do this in secret because that's what your Heavenly Father applauds. Do not announce your generosity with like a big music event, large charity checks or or a campaign like a a big giver to be honoured in the press. I'll speak honestly with you. If you give in the public and people see you, then you've already received your reward already. Challenge yourself to not let one half of your body know how generous the other half is being so that you really are giving in secret. God sees your street performance and isn't pleased but takes pleasure in your private performance for the audience of one. The same goes for prayer. When you pray... Don't turn into a showbiz performance for the world to see and allow them to praise you for your well-crafted prayer. X-Factor prayer performers will get their reward in full on the stage and applauded by humans. This is what I want you to do. Lock yourself away where you can't be seen or tempted to perform. Hide from all that can see you and wait in that prayer place with your Father who is unseen. When you pray, don't rub it on. Don't uh, disconnect your brain and wit on as if sheer quality of quantity of words will woo God. God doesn't need you to have well-crafted prayers, nor need you to pray in a specific formula. God just wants you to say it as it is. As you need to say it. Be real, because your Father already knows what you already need. With a God like this, Who already loves you, you can pray a simple prayer like this. Our Father who dwells in the heavens and on earth, you are truly holy. Would heaven be a greater present reality here on earth and would we be eager to partner with you in seeing this hope happen? Give us today the things that we think we need forgive us when we haven't lived the way you would intend and may we forgive others when they don't live as we intend give us your guidance through all that life throws at us and protect us from the work of the evil one there's a connection between the way you pray and the way God will respond to you if you give mercy God gives mercy It's only when you've freed somebody else that we find there is room in our lives to find freedom. When we give back somebody's humanity, we find that we are also receiving our own. And I want to talk to you about entrusting the whole of life to your father. There are times when it's good to deny yourself food to focus more on God. But when you do this, don't whinge and whine, pulling glum faces so people notice what you're doing. Fasting might make you loved by fellow believers, but it will not make you a saint. But when you give your belly to God, then make sure you have combined your, combed your hair and made yourself presentable so nobody will realise that you are fasting. God doesn't need you to try to get his attention. He's already noticed you. He's preparing your reward. Now it's fair to say, to try to control life. We do this in the way that we fill out our bank accounts, prepare our pensions and buy beautiful things for our homes. But all of this will be destroyed or lost on the stock market or even stolen. It's rather obvious where we put our treasure our hearts will end up being. On earth our stuff will wind up in a second hand store or thrown away, but in heaven our treasures will have eternal value. In trade they say if your eyes are good then you're generous but if your eyes are narrow and slitty then, then you're greedy. The eyes are windows to your soul. If your eyes are squinty your heart will be greedy and distrusting but if your eyes are wide open open and generous your heart will be also. Don't try to control life with greed. You can't worship a God of life and a God of death. The worshipper of mammon will leave you hating Yahweh and adoring Yahweh will leave you hating the other. It's always easy to control your life with worry and anxiety. If you decide to worship God, then what follows is the desire to stop being anxious over what you will eat and what fashion clothes you will wear. A God life is far more liberating than worrying what you will feed your body what your outer appearance will look like. Look at the birds your father made. They don't need to make, bake, create or produce. Neither do they have to have life insurance and they've received all that they need. Do you think that you are more valuable to God than the little birds who simply trust on this unbridled provision? Do you know anybody who has grown younger or added a year to their lives by worrying? If so, they are a walking miracle. Why do you worry about your fashion magazines killing hours walking the lengths of death-breathing clothes stores? See the beauty of simple flowers growing in the field. They don't need to kill themselves over getting the next season's look. But I bet you've never seen colour and beauty quite like them. Even the celebrity fashion designer of the year can't look as radiant as them. Now, if this is how God behaves with the smallest of the flowers hiding in the deepest, furthest unseen gardens, do you not think he will give you so much more? My child, you really don't believe it, do you? What I'm trying to get you to do is take a chill pill. Take a moment to relax, not worry or be anxious, but to just trust your Father will feed you and give you drink and clothe you. Those who don't know God's provision run and chase all the wrong things, making themselves nervous and paranoid. Don't be like them, worried about getting and allow yourself to trust God's giving. To live a life of freedom, firstly, seek God's presence, God's reality, God's reality with you. And from this, all things will fall into place. Make yourself aware of God, what he is doing right now, where he is moving. It is from this place you will find tomorrow is uh, accounted for and you will stop worrying about it. Each morning brings new troubles, but God will help, trust me. Now let's talk about controlling others. In the way that you behave towards others, you will find it reaped upon you. If you pick on other people, their failings and criticise their imperfections, you will find you are treated in the same way. Why do you comment on the small speck of ketchup on the other person's lip when you have barbecue sauce all the way down your front? How dare you offer to wipe the other person's lip when all the time you need to wash your own clothing? All this is about your desire to control and condemn other people. You religious performer, uh, prancing around the stage, Sort out your own issues before you start meddling in the lives of other people. You are doing, what you're doing is trying to control others with negative comments. In the same way, stop trying to control people with good things. If you throw pearls at a pig, do they have the ability to appreciate it? In giving good things to those who can't appreciate it, all you're doing is trying to control through your means. When you do this they have no idea of its worth and they'll turn on you and they will trample all over you. Now rather than trying to control people, simply ask for what you need and it will be given to you without strings. If this doesn't work then simply wait, seek the right time, you might find an answer. If you get to that place where you're sobbing because you have nothing left, the knock and the door might be open to you. You don't need to play a cat and mouse game with God. When a child of yours comes asking for something to eat, you wouldn't dream of telling them to go and eat a bowl of gravel, would you? And if they ask for some fish fingers, who would dream of giving them a play of snakes? So if you are evil compared to your glorious God, and know how to give good things. Imagine how good your father in heaven is. You don't need to control other people for things because your dad is always on hand to give help for what you need. What I'm trying to say is so, so simple. Don't try to control people, but do with others as you would want them to do with you. Make sure you behave like this first. This is simple and it's in its rawest form and it's what the prophets and the laws and all the stories added up to now i want to give you three warnings everyone has easy options ways around and cut-throughs but what you will find is they aren't easy routes and they're not actual cut-throughs at all the will give you the things you can do on your own to earn your way to God. But this leads to nothing but religion. Make sure you do the hard thing. Enter through the narrow gate. There are two routes, the wide religious route, selling you the tools and guides to religion. They will tell you exactly how to live out a devout religious life, but you will only end up missing God because his route is narrow. And it ends enters through a a narrow door called grace. When you stand in the narrow gate, the tight, narrow doorway, you step into it and you will notice it is expansive, flung, wide, open doors. Warning two. Keep your eyes fully alert because the false prophets and teachers, they will wear the right suits, they'll preach from the right translation of the Bible, And they will say what you want them to hear. Their words will be dripping with sincerity and most probably make some human sense. But they are out to trick, manipulate and gain all that they can from you. These people aren't here to help, but they're there to hinder. The only way to spot them will be by the fruit of their work. It will be shriveled up and bitter. Watch where you are picking fruit. Is this preacher a thornbush or a thistle? These bearers of bad fruit need chipping down before they poison the whole village. Just because somebody claims to be called master doesn't mean they will enter through the narrow gate. But only those who do what their father in heaven wants for them will get through the narrow doorway. Friends, it will be a sad day when people say to me, Master, Master, as if it was some kind of divine password to the eternal realms. But I will not know them. Just because you are able to prophesy, cast out demons or even perform a miracle doesn't mean that I know you. I'm not looking for religious titles. I'm looking for friends. My third warning is this. I've said a lot. Spoken many things. The question is, will you be willing to put them into practice? Put your own flesh and blood on them. These words aren't uh, spiritual add ons or ways of making small improvements to your life. If you are willing to do the hard work and put all of this into practice, then you will be like a, a homeowner who built his own house. Rather than building on the ground, they would choose to dig down, right the way down to the rock hidden out of sight. On this solid foundation you will build a solid home. The reality is one day life will be thrown all at you. The storms will come, the tornadoes will hit your brickwork but because you've built on my teaching you'll be fixed sound to the rock. But if you hear my words you might even study the plans that I've given you if you don't listen and simply rush ahead doing your own thing with little thought then you'll be like a person who built his house on a sandy beach the same storms will come but this time your foundations will be poor the property will fall down all around you you will not know where to run as Jesus ended this epic teaching All those listening were gobsmacked by what he said. They realised that he was different to all the other religious leaders, he actually knew what he was talking about. Because of this, the people were amazed at his teaching.